Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, Jan, welcome to another wet and wild day in Melbourne. We've got boxing and lost jocks. Now, lost try jocks? And, uh, try and do a... A, 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 a segue and a connection mm, between that. Let's not. Thank you for posing these uh, conundrums. But let's begin, because I've got an author with me today. Much can be said, Jan, about the efficacy of writing, how it gives voice to ideas and validates people. This is the case in the book I have today, Left, Right, Hook, an anthology of pieces stemming from a writing project. And the instigator of that project is Donna Lyon. So, Donna, welcome to 3CR. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jan. Thanks for having me. Now, left, right, hook, with the pun on the word right, R-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E. But before we get into this association between boxing and writing, which is a curious one, let's establish a little of the background. Uh, The workshops you've initiated... For women who are survivors? Survivors of sexual abuse and trauma, and that's my lived experience. I'd used writing as a mode of recovery. I'd also used boxing as a mode of recovery. Uh, Went on a little fighting journey. That probably didn't work out uh, to be, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, look, I wasn't a champion by any means. And But what I wanted to do is I wanted to connect with other women like me survivors. Uh, I wanted to use the experience that I gained from boxing, but I wanted to do it in a different way. And I am an arts educator. Uh, I have a creative practice. Um, I'm a filmmaker. So I thought, well, why don't I actually, I didn't just want to box. I wanted to actually hear stories. I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to hear their stories. And so that's why I combined writing in the first hour. And then I taught them the art of boxing. It's an interesting combination. We'll go into that in a little more detail in a moment. But the ability of writing or the scope it allows to develop new perspectives within a new context. I talk a lot about that in terms of writing as the opportunity to develop and consider alternative narratives of self. I think it's important not to presuppose that a survivor needs to necessarily develop a new narrative, but I think it's important that the survivor considers uh, the narratives that they've been carrying, and they're often not their narratives. They're the narratives of the people that abused them. Not to diminish the survivor uh, realm that you're talking about, but would that be the case for a lot of other people? I mean, I'm going to talk about something I'm involved in, workshops I'm involved in as well, uh, with medical students, but taking them out of the framework that they're normally pictured in, and that would be the same for survivors. Survivors are cast in a role. We in society are cast in roles, but writing gives that... um, potential to move beyond those roles. Absolutely. I just I don't think it's a limited uh, scope. I think my obviously area of focus and interest is is survivors, but I think the same, you know, writing has therapeutic benefits. Uh, writing is applicable to you know, people who just to start to explore what their limited beliefs are or what their feelings and thoughts are about their role or location in the world. Mm. And 
it's not the aim isn't necessarily a great piece of writing. It's just that participation in the writing that starts to reveal things. I think so. And, you know, certainly when I came to the workshop, it wasn't the prerequisite wasn't about being the greatest writer or the best fighter by any means. It wasn't to produce or develop the, the, those skills necessarily. But what happened was that in 2020, when I came together with uh, the particular group of women who are in the anthology, is that COVID hit. So we pivoted online, as everybody else did, and we spent all of 2020 over three rounds of eight weeks with a little break in between writing. And then what happened was that we actually ended up producing an incredible body of writings. So I think the quality of writing actually in the book and the anthology, you know, you know, was so excellent that that was when I suggested, well, why don't we actually co-curate an anthology um, and we'll frame it uh, with using boxing as the... But there are a range of outcomes then from the anthology and the accumulation of pieces of writing. Now, first and foremost, this notion of sharing Mm. one's writing. Sharing is so important. And whilst it wasn't mandated, it was, I think, in a sense, strongly recommended that you share in the group setting. And I think it was the sharing that essentially allowed the words to become alive and uh, for the quality of the writing to increase uh, as time went on. It also provided an opportunity to to be empathic towards others. Survivors are very um, uh, shame-driven and uh, are locked into those belief systems about themselves. But when they see others talking about that, they don't think that of others. But it's the isolation you feel. You're shame-driven, you're cast in a particular mm-hmm. mould. But then, as I've discovered with my students, um, I've they've used words like comforting mm. and reassuring because they haven't expressed what they're going through to anybody else. And, you know, it was such a relief to find others were feeling the same way. Well, that was the thing, David, is that a lot of the people that came to the workshop, they had never disclosed their abuse to anybody else other than their therapist and perhaps their loved one. And all of a sudden, seven other people are saying the similar effects, similar feelings and beliefs about themselves. Their feelings and experiences are being validated, but they're also starting to question, hang on a sec, I don't see you like that. Well, if I don't see you like that, maybe... I'm not like that. Maybe I'm not the kind of shameful being that actually, you know, feels like it sits within me. Mm. The other notion is the opportunity to articulate something, to identify Mm. something more fully or in a way you've never expressed it before through writing. And that's right. We talked, uh, you know, pre the show starting around that idea of disconnection and how survivors in particular and, uh, you know, very dissociated, disconnected from their thoughts and their feelings. And by just getting it out in a free writing uh, technique, you're not judging that process and then you're sharing it and then you're beginning to somehow form a connection to these very disconnected thoughts and ideas and actually start to see them for what they are. And the other thing is people or others reading into your work something that you may not have necessarily thought about or uh, that is not overtly expressed when you wrote, but it's between the lines. Others identifying something in what you've written. I think so too. And we don't don't comment on each other's writings uh, in the workshop. And 
I have had one survivor in the workshop say, you know, I, I don't need a comment. I think sometimes what I need is, you know, perhaps the group to say, it's not your fault or to validate them in their experience. And that's something that I've taken on as, as feedback. What, it, because it's not about, uh, it, it's not, it's trying to move away from the judgment about uh, their experiences and rather just let it sit and let us bear witness to these thoughts and ideas. And perhaps it's in that silence that we can start to reconsider the alternative narratives that I think exist that we're perhaps not as conscious of. Now, the connection between writing and boxing. This was sort of uh, a link. I thought, hang on. And now, jocks. And jocks. <laughs> well, we're, we're coming to jocks later oh, in the yes, program. Yes. But um, we'll... Um, we'll get to that but it's a curious connection so here's a piece by claire writing plus boxing equals body memories writing is wading through water going deeper and deeper immersion in mud breathing through a straw underwater boxing is in the body this body boxing out of body overextending sinking sorry Mm, it's such a lovely piece well claire is uh, one of the participants who is a published poet and so she comes to the workshop you know with an incredible uh you know body of, of work and, and depth to her writing um and uh you know it's certainly evident in the in the book um it's just you know beautiful to to read her words but the connection, there is a commonality, is that the wrong word? A link between boxing and writing, is there not? I think writing is expression and boxing is expression. I think there's an embodiment, there's a, um, a physicality perhaps to, to writing um, that maybe Claire is touching on uh, or that we touch on in the workshops and in their course is in boxing. Um, it, it can be visceral, it can be energetic, it can be a dance. It's a play with the body as writing is a play with the words. So I think, you know, probably Claire picks up on those things as, as, a, as a poet. Some of the other comments you've made in your forward to each uh, round, and the book is divided into a series of three rounds, boxing and writing, a discipline, a men physical mm. and the mental discipline and control, uh, being grounded and the focus. So those were what I took away from the connection. I think so, yes. That, that idea of pen to paper, uh, turning up, showing up, uh, writing and committing uh, to a piece perhaps without understanding it. When you do the same with boxing, you know, you don't quite yet understand how to put it all together, the combinations and the techniques, yet you keep showing up. You know, it's about doing the work and then through doing the work you get better, um, you get fitter, you get stronger, you, it starts to make sense, it starts to piece together. How physical is writing? Oh, how physical is writing? <laughs> Oh, I, uh, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't think I break a sweat, uh, but <laughs> but I think that writing is. Uh, I think writing can be physically taxing. I know that when I started writing um, prior to Left Right Hook, you know, writing made me sleepy because I was going into some depths of my kind of unconscious that I just I felt so exhausted by it. And so in a sense, there is a physicality with mm. that. And then when we box, of course, we take that, that kind of perhaps uh, d deep energy, that heaviness, and we uh, physicalise it in a more visceral uh, and uh, energetic way. Because some writers lose themselves in mm. writing. Would that be the case for boxing as well, losing 
I think you do. I mean, I think there's a famous quote by uh, Muhammad Ali says, you know, you can have all the game plan in the world until you get punched in the face. Um, and so, you know, yeah, of course you lose yourself, you know, and I think that's something that I experienced when I fought was that, you know, performance anxiety, you know, being in a ring, being on show, uh, it's hard to stay connected. It's hard to stay connected to mind and body, and I think that can happen in writing where the unconscious, the the metaphysical perhaps, or I'm not sure how you want to you know describe it, takes over, and that's the bit where the potentially the magic can happen. Maybe not so much in boxing because you've got to keep your guard up. <laughs> mm, mm. And, and going with the flow of it. The concept of narrative therapy, and that's a whole field in medicine as well. It can be done with patients mm. and through the process of writing, they're going through a healing process. I think writing is incredibly healing and we see a progression of uh, people's reclamation of cells within the anthology. Uh, in the round three, by that stage, I'd done a level one certificate in narrative therapy and I began to uh, be interested in the ideas of this developing alternative narratives, perhaps a th uh, what they call it in narrative therapy as a thickening of other descriptions of self uh, and also trying to externalise the problem. And so what rather than seeing ourselves as the problem, the 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 abused person is the problem. We start to externalise that and put it out there and say, "Well, hang on. What 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 were the ways I was trained to be powerless? What were the things that were told about me that I wasn't necessarily telling myself?" And through that, we begin to create some space, and then perhaps go, "Hang on a sec. Maybe they aren't my beliefs." Mm. The whole other notion here too of creativity, the role of creativity, we've lost sight of it a lot in our lives, which can be very therapeutic. Now, creativity is about play, it's about curiosity, it's about a willingness to take risks and experiment and I'm in love with creativity and uh, I think that you know certainly my journey through as being a survivor, um, I think I've survived through creative practice. Uh, I went into drama at the age of seven to 17 and, you know, it was never, not about being an actor, but it was all of those skills that kept me curious, that kept me interested in others, um, alive to language, alive to thoughts and feelings and connection um, and, 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 and uh, metaphor. And so uh, I, I, I want to always introduce that in the work that I do because I think it's so inherent uh, to activating the child within us. But even in society in general... We seem to have lost a lot of that creativity uh, that helps people. I mean, again, if I can refer to the workshops I'm running with the medical students, they are so disciplined. Mm. They're not having any fun. No, and you must have fun. And I think, you know, it's hard to kind of perhaps have fun in left, right hook when the subject matter is so serious. Uh, but I think because by the end we're so exhausted through the physicality of boxing that there is perhaps space again to kind of have a bit of a release uh, to, to take that weight off. And but Here's a comment from Kale. What is meaningful in these writings? Every week I listen to each person read their thoughts aloud and I feel somewhat out of place. Mm -hmm. Everyone is so creative, writing poetry and metaphors and weaving stories with their words. I'm a biographer at best. We are often self-deprecating. It's not just Kale that does that. I've seen other people sort of diminish 
their writing or that role of creativity because oh, I'm not as good as everybody else, but it's the participation that's important. It is, and of course that's why we never tried to put a value judgment on what each other wrote. And, you know, that was what was always so beautiful about Kale's writing was that autobiographic uh, approach. It was very distinctive to their voice, whereas others, uh, you know, for example, Julie, Julie would write uh, in rhyme uh, all the time. She would tell her narrative in rhyme. Now, I could never do that. And so it's those differences in style that I think makes the writing in the book so unique and powerful. Here's one from Donna. Self-esteem, out of steam, running self-esteem is mean. Self-esteem is thinking nice things, is wearing dresses, makeup, having nice hair, being told you are pretty, it's having a bath and feeling slinky. Self-esteem is holding your head high. It is walking into a room and feeling like you've got this. Not, I wish I was dead. Mm-hmm. That, that turn at the end. Uh, but that free form, that, it doesn't matter how it's expressed. Here's one of yours, and I won't read it all, but... What it takes is action and courage and denial and love and curiosity and desire. And it just, it's almost like a stream of consciousness. Mm. But, and, 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 and it's just compelling what makes that piece of writing then have force is the conjunctions, which we wouldn't normally say. Well, I think that that type of technique is called free writing. And in the book, we actually uh, offer a, a different. Um, suggestion as to the genre, which is prose poetry, um, and that was really suggested by Claire Gaskin, you know, who's a who's a poet um, and part of the the workshop and, and the book. So, you know, we really like that because it gives the quality of the writing a real sense of form and strength, and takes it outside of just the the free writing unconscious nature. Um, so it's a both end for me. Mm. I mean, I'll just mention the, the paper we produced. It was entitled Inverse Reflection. Mm. And the academics couldn't come to terms with this because I was punning on inverse and inverse being upside down. And it was quite a challenge in the medical fraternity and in the academic fraternity to appreciate what was, in fact, just a playful use of words, inverse and inverse sort of thing. So it's it's quite crazy. It, it is. I, I'm an academic and I love that title, but, you know, I'm in the <laughs> arts, so, you know, there's no surprises there. But, you know, there's something very powerful about, you know, artists and creative practitioners working in interdisciplinary, uh, you know, ways. And I, I think bringing the methods that we have and working with people in medicine or science, et cetera, to enliven their thinking and their ideas. Yeah, I think you've touched on something there in, in terms of, a discipline can close you down, lock you off, yeah. and it's that interdisciplinary element that is, is where uh, things can be found, where extensions can be made, where learning can take place. And where a deeper reflection you know, can start to expose and entertain new ideas. Well, the anthology is called Left Right Hook. It's edited by Donna Lyon and it's a creative writing project based at Melbourne University? We based it at a boxing gym actually. So we sat in a boxing gym and we wrote for the first hour and then I taught them boxing. So uh, it was a project that was uh, thankfully supported by the University of Melbourne, a creativity and wellbeing research institute and I'm still running the project as uh, now as a not-for-profit 
and we've extended it. I'm making a documentary with the participants. So it's got all these little tentacles, uh, which is really exciting. And uh, the first tentacle uh, that we're really proud to uh, you know, publish and celebrate together is this book. And it's from Loving Healing Press. Yeah, they're a US publisher uh, chosen because they have a particular um, leaning towards these types of books. Um, so, yeah, just happy to, to be with them. And Jan is now going to take us to Jocks. Well, to just, Jocks. Just, <laughs> I know it's, a, it's sort of an uncomfortable segue given the subject matter, isn't it? It is, it is. Well, but... smelly underwear is the result of boxing, surely. <laughs> well, that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, Jay yeah. Ross will explain mm. all. The opening line of short stories must capture your interest and the first paragraph give a clue to the essence of the story. Finn J. Ross has it all in Tuesday Jocks. Welcome back to Published or Not, Finn. (laughs) Thank you, Jane. The opening line is the missing Tuesday Jocks bug me. Julie Sheridan has called in Jordan and Dave, but it's not to find the missing laundry. Why were they there? They were there to hopefully find a missing person who had disappeared three days earlier, a rather anal retentive man who was known for being very particular about his underwear. (laughs) That is to the extent that he only wore his Monday jocks on Mondays and his Tuesday jocks on Tuesdays, labelled Kmart jocks, that is. (laughs) So... Our young policewoman wonders why when he's found three days later having disappeared, he's wearing Thursday jocks, although his own Thursday jocks are still in his bedroom drawer. Oh, so we're used to good cop, bad cop, but Jordan and David could be new cop, old cop. How do Sergeant Dave Dryden and Constable Jordan Mulcahy treat each other? Okay, well, uh, Jordan Mulcahy is new to the neighbourhood. She's a city cop who's come to the country, much to the anguish, I guess, of her immediate superior, who's, of course, is a blokey bloke. And he probably doesn't know or isn't aware yet of the fact that young Jordan has ambitions to become a detective. And so he rather treats her a little demeaningly, let's say. Joe Green reports a floater in his dam. Is that real police talk, Finn? Yes, it is, I gather, yes. For for a body, a lifeless body, generally floating face down in any particular body of water. That's where the floater was, in the dam on a farm called Shady Grove. And this is how Jordan, I sniggered at the sign, a complete misnomer for the treeless, wheat-bix-coloured acreage. But Jordan is sent into the mud to investigate. What else does she find? Quite by accident as she's uh, floating the the body back to the edge of the dam. And I might say she's the one relegated to go in and find it. Her sidekick doesn't want to get his feet wet. Uh, She actually puts her foot on something very hard under the water, under the, the mud, and thinking it's a tree branch, bends down and ends up coming up with a human femur in her hand. Ooh. Immediately she realises this isn't the crime scene of one potential murder Mm. victim but two. Two bodies in the same dam. Coincidence? Who owned this farm before? Okay, so this farm was previously owned by the parents of the recently retired senior sergeant of the Mm. local police station. 
and it transpires that for many years the town had been led to believe that this man's wife had disappeared off to Queensland with another man when in fact she was at the bottom of the dam. Oh, there's a double shooting in Melbourne, so that takes precedence over a dead body in Hicksville. The homicide team can't get there. Jordan suggests that they should investigate more, but her sergeant says, go home, woman. She doesn't. Where does she go? So first of all, she goes to the back to the soccer club from when the where the male floater disappeared on the Friday evening. And she learns that not only was the the missing man the last person to be seen there, but also later that evening there was a power failure. But who goes walking at night in the dark in the country at a sports oval? See, this is where you have to bring your witness in. This was clever, Fenn. You know, who Ah, would do this? So the witness happens to be a nurse who's between shifts who takes her dog any convenient for a walk, any convenient time. On this particular evening, it happens to be nine o'clock at night or or a little Mm. later. And she's able to tell Jordan that there was not just one car, but two cars parked at the the soccer room clubhouse. So then Jordan, our very investigative constable, goes to the retired Mr Hallier. And questions him. And and he gives her a great reply, quoting from the book. You want to know the ins and outs of a duck's bum, don't you? (laughs) That is such a great line, Finn. Is it one that just rolled off your tongue or out of your imagination? Look, I wish I could claim it as original, but it it is a phrase that I've heard before. But this is an old farming codger, this guy, and he's a cranky old invalid so to speak, and he's not going to give this young upstart of a policewoman an inch. So that's rather in the vein of most of the conversation that she has with him, but she's rather suspicious about Mm. this man and also a little suspicious about his son, the retired police officer. Well, Jordan is told she has foolish suppositions, but she does solve the two murders and the mystery of the Tuesday jocks. Look, it was a fun read, but not only was it a fun read, it was a winning read. What if you won, Finn J. Ross? After 11 years of trying, I finally snaffled the Scarlet Stiletto Award, the first prize. I, I think over the past 11 years, I've entered at least one if not two stories every year and I've won several other awards but to actually bring home the Scarlet Stiletto itself has given me great impetus to to keep writing and to write a bit more crime. Of course this the Scarlet Stiletto is put up by the Sisters of Crime with a whole lot of backing by so many different companies and people and uh, publishers so this is the Scarlet Stiletto the 14th cut that you've got the winning entry in and it's just amazing that for this short story competition 195 entries well done yes yes so even to be shortlisted from that number is you know quite an honor that to as I said to take out first prize after trying so hard for so long uh, I'm still coming down to earth oh well done. And if people want to get a copy or an, or an e-copy of this of this collection of short stories? They can go to the Sisters in Crime website or Facebook page and get a link to the e-book version. 
uh, in which they'll be able to read not only Tuesday Jocks, but all the other uh, pri category prize winners from this year's event, which, by the way, was actually the 29th annual Scarlet Stiletto Awards. Oh, oh wow. It's had long levity because it's, it hits a note with women writers. It does. Now, of course, Finn, I spoke with you a couple of years ago about your book, Billings Better Bookshop and Brasserie. I'm just wondering, so is there another short story coming out of you or another book? Look, I have actually three or four crime novels on my laptop at the moment that I'm looking for a publisher for, some in various stages between first and second drafts. Uh, writing a novel, of course, is an entirely different ballgame from writing a 5,000-word short story, uh, much more complex and time-consuming, obviously. Uh, but having this win with the short story, as I said, has given me the impetus to get cracking on those novels again and knock them into shape and hopefully find a publisher for them. Well, congratulations once again. So I've been speaking with Finjay Ross about her short story, The Winner in the Scarlet Stiletto, The 14th Cut. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks, Jan. Excellent. Thank you. I've worked out the segue. You've worked out the segue. Well, Finjay Ross's book was called Tuesday Jocks. Uh, and okay. you were ha having a chat about boxer. With Donna the Lyon. Boxer. The, the bo well, <laughs> boxer. A writing Boxers workshop and, and the eff efficacy of, of writing, which was fascinating. <laughs>